0: Hey everybody, welcome to another Corner Conversation on the Book of John. You're about to listen to Greg, Zach, Rachel, and myself talking about Jesus' death on the cross. And as we do that, please endure the first few minutes of us being goofy, but then we'll get into a great conversation.
1: Rachel's here. Welcome back. Here,
2: oh, it's been a while. It has been. I miss you guys. What? Yeah, I right. feel so disconnected. Let's, let's hear I about do. Your life. What's I, new? Well, um, let me think. Nothing exciting. <laughs> My think? kids went to school for Yesterday? the first time in like five hundred and seventy thousand days. No, like, nothing exciting. Them that's exciting so they did that and that's you really do good have some transitions coming up i do life? have big transitions so no, i just nothing exciting all right fine some things are exciting <laughs> just kidding okay what's, um, what's well, so can- our last well we're having our last sunday at our other church on sunday and then we're gonna start planting stuff soon i don't know what a, a better way to say that planting stuff that's great so yeah. So I'm excited yeah, about that. Yeah. We went to Michigan. That was exciting. Did some camping. Upper or lower? We started in the upper, which I really like the upper. And then we, we were told that like it's really pretty on the Michigan side of Lake Michigan, but I was not that excited about it. Well, who told you that? I'm not going to tell them about us, <laughs> but they told me, and I believed them. Like what
3: areas? Did they just say, just go down...
2: Just go down the
3: side where they they used to dump the iron ore into the Ford plants. (laughs) Just go down, you go far enough and you'll hit the nuclear reactor right in Saint Joe.
2: It's a real pretty spot. (laughs) There's lots of dunes.
1: So yeah, you you talk about the sand dunes all the time. I did
2: love. I did love
3: the lakes for sure, but everything was surrounded by.
2: Yeah, like, you Butthole. can't see the shore at all. And so, like... <laughs> this is sponsored by
3: yeah. <laughs> Travel
1: Michigan.
2: This is sponsored by Michigan. Michigan. The
3: 51st ranked state out no, of all of our this is sponsored states. by the UP.
2: UP. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The UP is good.
3: Come visit the UP. Can you, I, I think they can should you drive the state, from honestly. UP to lower? Yeah,
2: you have to do There's a this it's gigantic a Mackinac bridge. bridge from Mackinac. From, yeah. And it, it's terrifying. Is it a toll? Like, I no, know. I don't think it is. It's a very large bridge. It's huge. It's, it's the biggest I. I yeah.
3: So right like, of the right I thought I was water fine.
2: Water. I thought it was fine and then like halfway through I was For like the, oh it goes up oh Cuz yes. the bar just and goes It was right, terrifying. Right, it was the, horrible. in Michigan
3: and uh,
2: oh, it was too, the other it was big and yeah. it was high up. It was it was awful.
3: It's spooky. This
2: Is
1: going to be can hard you, you walk, walk across through? it? Yeah, you can. I no. think they no
2: they do. So Labor Day it's actually closed and they have like an annual thing every Labor Day where people just walk across it. Which also sounds terrifying, but
1: really, it's that high.
2: It's it's high. It's very For me, windy. Like and like and you're driving. Uh, uh, Were you driving at that point? Yes, I drove. I drove a lot. Like I like to drive. I'm so it really control-y. windy. It wasn't too bad that day. So only but it was uh, still it was very
3: since 1957. There's been over 150 million motor vehicles. That have crossed the bridge and only two have fallen into the streets of but mackinac
2: anybody has fallen is like horrible okay it's only it 2 doesn't... you're right but still and every time i go across a big bridge right nervous i like relive 35w hmm. collapsing and so oh. then i like have extra angst and it's the whole thing
3: the craziest so. one was in 89 when this lady was going too fast and the winds were 50 miles an hour. Oh my gosh. And oh. it literally pushed her little tiny, she was driving a, well, like a Datsun day. or something and completely pushed her off the bridge.
2: Oh my goodness. Okay, so that's it. Like, it's a 55 mile per hour huge bridge and, like, high above the water. And, like, you're just, like, Why is it to a 55
0: like... mile an hour? What, what is the bridge going 55
2: miles? Well, people driving. She's out driving
0: a Yugo. <laughs> Yugo. Yugo. 55. Went. Oh my
2: goodness. She... She-go. <laughs> <That's> She-go. <laughs> but okay, so in Mackinac City, there was this park, because um, there's this big state park. Did and they, they have one? No, we did that last year, oh, and I was it's like, fine. it's fine. I don't need to do it twice. But they, you guys are
1: really making me want to go to Michigan.
2: No, okay, the Youpers, Uber, <laughs> I love Youpers, if you're listening. What are you seeing? Um... But so I don't really love music that much. Oh, it wasn't loved that? It. Did you? Okay. Picture
3: rocks. I can live there.
2: Okay. I really liked Marquette. Marquette was beautiful. Yeah, Marquette's cool. And I like the Sioux Rocks or a Sioux, locks, the Sioux Locks. not Sioux. Sioux Rocks. But okay. So in <laughs> Mackinac <laughs> City, there is this state park, and like at night, there's this thing called like Dark Park or something, and they you're not allowed to turn on any lights, and in the <laughs> like the it's so there's no lights anywhere in the park, and it's in the middle of nowhere. And you go out at like 10 o'clock and you can't see anything except they have like some red lights lighting a path but then you can see just layers and layers of stars and it's very pretty so that was cool that was fun there were fun things in michigan but i would not drive down to see the lake on the michigan do. side again that the better
3: thing is just to go Go up the Superior Waterway. Go up the uh, Wisconsin side yes. of Lake Michigan. And that's it's what we great. did
2: last year. And it was Michigan great. And he sucks. was like, Oh, you haven't seen the Michigan side then. And I was like, Okay. So Bridge I force. thought, Yeah. They're crazy. Do you guys
0: know that Marquette is in the UP? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I just. It's,
3: it's like I didn't know you guys knew that. It's like the best city. Marquette in is the state. amazing.
2: I love Marquette. There's a lot and going
3: on there. It's probably the coolest city. I didn't know they city. had cities up there. It's like the coolest Manatee city. Manistee is the state. really
2: pretty. And there's this um, place called Kitsch. Kippy, I don't know if I'm saying it right. It means the big spring. But, like, you can see down 45. <laughs> That's what we used to call
3: the blob at Summer
2: Kippy, actually. <laughs> Itty-kitty.
3: the big
2: spring.
0: <laughs> and you put on a lot of miles.
2: Oh, yeah, we did. But, so, but you could see down 45 feet, like, through the water. So you see these huge fish at the bottom. And, like, you get on this raft thing. And there's cool things. And I actually camped in a tent not like no. a pop-up kit you know that's like how i grew up doing like the pop-up trailer but i slept on the ground when i say i slept on the ground i like slept on a blow-up mattress not really the ground but oh, still sucks in the tent
0: <sighs> no i <it> got not <laughs> necessarily it was cool for one night it's I fine. did it four nights.
2: That yeah, sucks. I did it four nights. It did nights. I, like, I actually, it, it, it was good. Except, like, around, like, three in the morning when it hits, like, 53 degrees. I'm like, honey, oh, everybody my. climb into it. Like, <laughs> Isn't
3: let's this just the, the best? A, That's my, my family favorite. Family cuddle. 4.30 so in the morning. You wake up cold and wet. Yeah. You're like, is the sun coming up anytime soon? Because I don't want to try and be asleep anymore. Because I can't actually yeah. sleep. And no. then it's like, nope. Still no. four hours till summer.
2: <laughs> I know. Well, then he's like, filled a fire in the morning, which was also very nice. But yes, it got that cold part. That was nice.
0: <laughs> yeah, so camping,
2: you
0: you're, you're always wet. Yeah, That's just, just some, with... some level of wet. Yeah. That is not my experience with camping. Not
2: well, my. What is yours? I didn't get. Properly. I feel like desert? I was awake. Well, I mean, where I camped growing bit.
1: up, we didn't have water. So.
2: Did you tent camp, like on yeah. the ground? Did you. Okay. So so more than one night i would love up.
3: to try out there's just these,
1: california doesn't get much rain or water for yeah, moisture.
3: companies that create these triangular shaped tent hammocks so you put yeah. the tent pad between you the on amazon i'm was, sure the sleeping is a terrible experience i was wondering about really that cuz i was like oh i can imagine this being better if i wasn't
2: they on look the ground. they look <laughs> incredible look at oh them.
1: wow yeah, podcast people look at it <laughs> you, don't to,
2: you don't have to worry about bears. What is it called so they can look uh, it up?
3: <laughs> if you go to uh, Tense. Tensil so, Okay. okay. Tencil. Today's <laughs> episode is sponsored by ten, 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 ten. Tense. Tense.
2: Tense Isle.
3: Sponsored by Tense. I
2: don't know. All tents. I would try I would give it a try. I love the Uber. I would do I like every summer we've gone the last two summers. I said every summer, but it's uh it's one of my favorite places.
1: (sighs) I think it should be its own state. Yeah, I would I would it would
2: definitely be much better than (laughs) the rest of Michigan. Yep. I'm sorry. I and we liked Grand Rapids. That was Grand Rapids is cool. Grand Rapids is cool. Okay, and then we were driving back and we went to Jellystone like sh- like park of Chicago or something Yikes. and oh, I was like kids when we get because every time it's like late everyone's like sleeping by eight o'clock <laughs> and I was like you know I thought like you know you build a fire you stay up late but everyone's sleeping you get to Jellystone at like eight thirty, so it's pitch black and we have to like put up the tent but like everyone's awake at Jellystone they're like doing a uh like Fourth a hayride it was Labor Day so In they had Labor like Day. Labor Day things so, they had like a glow, light hay ride, and like they're like driving around the cramp camp singing as loud as they can. I was like, I guess we don't have to be quiet.
1: So. Yeah. It wasn't the one Jellystone in Wisconsin, was it? No, it
2: was Chicago. Yeah. We were going to go to uh, Wisconsin Dells. I know but the it was family. Too far for I break.
1: know the there's two twin brothers who live locally here, but their parents own the one in they Wisconsin. They own it. Okay. My kids thought grew it was up the best there. thing the in the world.
2: I think that that would be an interesting growing up, but like. Pretty fun. These kids, kids liked it. They thought it was cool. That's great. It was loud, but it's great. So there you go. You asked me. I gave you lots of words. I love it. That's all I have to say. <laughs>
3: lots of words. Well, we're jumping into the.
2: I was like transition. <laughs>
3: almost death moment of Jesus. Kind of, kind of dark and. A very
1: related note.
3: Yeah, <laughs> very related. <laughs> uh, we're talking about Jesus' crucifixion today, and. I mean, kind of the whole Christianity conversation, crucifixion is part of that. And I think in our series so far, we've seen just a lot of questions and process and how John, in the last part of his letter, he talks about his objective that we would see Jesus and know that he's the Messiah through all these acts that we see him do. Mm -hmm. And um, crucifixion is definitely part of that. And I think probably the main question we came to this week was why? You know, why did Jesus do what he did? Why do people choose to do the things they do, especially when it is like this gonna be painful or really hard? It's not gonna be enjoyable. Why would why would you choose bad stuff for things that feel terrible?
0: Well we've talked about for dozens and dozens of times about you know, it's not about what you do, it's about your motivation in doing. We talked about that being is so much more than doing. And we bring that, try to bring that measure to ourselves, and then, you know, then we go. But what about Jesus? Well, let me tell you what he did for you. And maybe, maybe there's some twisting of that. And so it's been a a good challenge for me in thinking through that perspective, is that instead of asking the question, "What did Jesus? Do you believe in what Jesus did, and do you believe the result of what it did?" And that's very important. But back up behind that, it go. Why? Why would Jesus? Why would Jesus do this? Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a lot of like liberating freedom and perspective that comes from that the answering of that question.
3: Yeah, and Scott, you bring up brought up some really good points in our prep time of just uh, the whole kingship of Jesus. We'll talk about this concept of his kingdom, how he's before Pilate, and Pilate asks him if he's a king, and essentially he says, "Yes, but." It's a different than what you think, and I mean, all the way back to his entry into Jerusalem when the people thought he was going to be this revolutionary king who would overthrow Rome, and yeah, all the way back to these hyperlinks that kind of from the beginning you really pulled out these hyperlinks really well, Scott, and uh, this first Samuel narrative. Yeah. The kingdoms of Israel go way way back. Okay, the
0: the picture that. If you' in these two chapters 18 and 19 John anytime he has these moments of repetition we should ask what's what's happening what are you trying to point out John and he uses eight different times he uses that reference to king and kinship and uh, that points to you know it sure there's King David there're the, all the the series of kings of good and bad but the beginning of it which everybody would have thought about is there where it all began is they're asking for for Samuel. <clears throat> They wanted a king to be like everybody else. The king that will fight for us and defend us, which is the beauty of that and the hyperlink of that, is that that's what the people wanted from Jesus. We want a king to protect us from all these bad people and bad things. And uh, man, they turned on that real quick. And so if you go back to the picture of first, uh, first Samuel. Uh, Saul turned really quickly. He was this king that was supposed to protect. God's message through Samuel was, ah, you don't really want a king. He's gonna take your kids and take your money and he's gonna call you into battle and you're gonna be fighting his wars and doing all this stuff. And so you don't really want a king. And they said, nope, we really do want one because we wanna be like, again, like the others and protected. And uh, Saul failed really, really quickly. And this picture that we see, again, this is supposed to trans be the tension between the king they want And now the king they have. And the king that we have in Jesus is one that is uh, sacrificing, not calling for sacrifice. Yeah.
3: Hmm. Super upside down. Which is
0: breaks. Like, again, that picture of kingship throughout human history has been, you know, uh, especially in that monarchy picture, it is serving the king. The king helps the people, ideally, but they don't have to. And usually they haven't. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's a lot about identity. Like you, the king usually operates as the culmination of the identity of the people. Yep. and so like, that's why a king would fight a war is it would be built as like it's protection of our people. It's yeah. it's for us, all of us, but really for me because I'm the culmination of it. Yeah, and that's what people are expecting.
0: And so Jesus is building throughout all of John, John is building this picture of Jesus that while he is the king, he is serving the marginalized, he's recognizing the outsider, he's speaking value into those that have no position, he's calling into question those that have position and power and authority. Very unkingly things. Yeah, washes the yeah. disciples' feet. Yeah. And then here in this moment, in like this culmination of his declaration of being king, is the moment that he then would give up his life
3: yeah we're gonna ask the question of what kind of what is it to be a good king what makes a really good king versus just an average king or even a bad one um what things really set a great leader apart and yeah not necessarily king leader yeah, yeah i don't leader, uh, maybe,
0: sure. maybe you i don't know how many kings i mean other than rachel I, don't know. <laughs> I was going to say myself but uh what I, we just don't necessarily yeah. have cultural background into what King is,
3: yeah. but even leadership has like such a buzzword feature to it, and so just thinking all through history what what has really set great leaders apart and there's a lot of really good things that stand out, but again, I think we look at Jesus and he ha- he exhibits these things that are like, wow, that is so outside the normal scope of what we think. A really, really great leader would do. You know, a leader is someone who they are the first to step into chaos and pain, but they're definitely not trying to get killed at any point. Yeah. And you can quickly read this portion of scripture and be like, Jesus, why didn't you stand up for yourself? Like
1: mm-hmm. you
3: were in charge, you were leading, you were confident. Why didn't you speak up on your own behalf? Mm. Very backwards.
0: And so that is the question of why? Yeah, why did you do it? Why was it so backwards? No, why did he do it? If, if the picture that has been drawn is of Jesus's control, but also then his submission to the point of death. Which that again, like the Jesus message can be, "He died for you." But what what if the Jesus message was why he died for us?
2: I always get conflicted in this moment because I think of, I mean, like he could have said something to like. I don't remember, I don't even know where we are, but like (laughs) that part where he doesn't, you know, like Pilate's accusing him and he doesn't say anything. But then you have this other side where he's in the temple and he's flipping tables and he's not like putting up with the way that the temple is being treated. And it's just very like there's just such, there's this piece of wisdom where you're like reconciling these two very different reactions. Like he could have just been like, I am the king, I am, you know, all of these things. And hopefully, like, people would have heard and learned or, I mean, all of John doesn't show that they would have, but, like, it's just a very, there's a big piece that needs to be reconciled for me sometimes.
0: Yeah. John puts it, the other gospels put that Jesus is clearing the, the temple right before this moment. John puts it at the beginning of his ministry, but John also is building Zach's going to roll his eyes, but it's a folded text. Oh, there it is. <clears throat> <laughs> so, folded, mirrored image? It is. And so, the, actually, the, 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 the mirrored of this moment is, it is in that tension between Jesus clearing the temple, yeah. uh, his interaction with the religious authorities and him calling it out, and now here in submission for sacri- being a sacrifice of it.
3: Yeah. Which is crazy. He's before Pilate and... He doesn't speak up on his behalf, but he seems so confident in everything he's been saying for three years' time that in this one moment he doesn't need to say anything.
2: Yeah,
3: which is crazy. It still blows my mind. Like Jesus, why didn't why didn't you say something? I'm like, if I'm a disciple watching this all happen, like I'm going crazy inside. What yeah. are you doing, Jesus? This this is really dumb. <laughs> this this is not the way this is supposed to happen. Yeah,
0: there's uh, I, again with that tension that Jesus, confident in his love and his passion for us and the sacrifice that he wants to be for us and not kingly in defending his self, having self-preservation. You know, the it's it's pretty parently, right? It's like, I, I'm going to suffer for the good of my kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Jesus embodies that to the full and Paul, like, just as like I feel him just being set back in his chair and he goes, gee, wow, he I didn't know Jesus, Paul's saying I didn't know anything about Jesus and I was the worst of the worst and that's, he died for me then Yeah. and uh, so what what amazing love, and that that really goes back to the why that we can be told but the why that we have to process is that he would endure this and go through this because he is the good shepherd
3: yeah, Hmm. yeah, this king who, yeah, just he served Turned things upside down and gave himself. Didn't have any of his own gains that he was aiming for. And I think we come to this point, again, we don't know kings. We don't know rulers in that way. But we might want some other rulers in our lives. And we can see the flip of that being some weird way of like, well, you, you better submit to Jesus as king. You, you better do it because he's a king. And uh, I just, I feel like I hear this really humble yet powerful invitation from this king to follow me and he's not demanding it he's not lording it over us but he says here's the way that i've walked in here's the way that i've laid out for you and i want you to follow me i want to be your king that's pretty amazing
0: yeah and if you can't feel the weight of god's judgment or the weight of the failure that's happening all around this like there's a lot of things that feel very uncomfortable are part of that feeling than the response of grace. You know, grace has a very different feeling when you don't need it or it's uh, not surprising or unusual yeah. or out of the ordinary. And so here's a moment where Jesus is being very gracious. He's embodying his character and embodying what he is doing in his sacrifice for us.
2: I really like what you said about like how jesus isn't demanding the same from us like i think he calls us to be like him and in that but in that sacrifice like peter you know he still is figuring out where he is in his relationship with jesus and i feel like i feel like jesus sets this example of being sacrificial to the point where we don't have to be as sacrificial but in response to growing close to him we grow and being sacrificial and it's not necessarily like mike and i my husband mike um for anybody out there um but um like we talk about like that transformation piece and how we there's that internal responsibility we have but also so much of it is jesus doing that transformation Mm -hmm. instead of us trying to always do the work and it seems like in this it feels like in this moment like jesus is sacrificing for us not demanding anything From us, like, especially when you think about it in relation to sin, like, he's taking on Mm. the consequences so that we can be free. And yet, like, growing closer to him, we grow in sacrificial ways. I don't know. There's just this pull there, you know? And it it all
0: feeds back into, if we go to the why Jesus did, it should inform the why that we live. Mm -hmm. And uh, to live out of a why as opposed to live out of a demand. Yeah, is is different. It's risky for a king to live out example as opposed to demand action. Mm-hmm. And Jesus, he embodies that again. He says, "I love you. I trust you. I believe in you. I'm going to sacrifice for you, even if you never choose walk or follow with me. Um, I love you enough to to love and to do this for you." Yeah,
2: yeah. I think too when we tr- when we as like believers respond out of demand like this is what culturally as a church we say we should be doing i feel like we build up that resentment and we don't grow in who god is calling us to be because we're angry i mean i feel like there's a lot of anger sometimes just in our communities and but when jesus is doing that transformational work in us and it's led by him and we're sacrificing because of him instead of trying to live the way we think we're supposed to live. I just feel like the the heart issue changes. Like, what's going on inside of us? And the response, yeah. it just is different. That didn't feel very clear.
0: No, it's very clear. That The beauty is that as we try to be Christ-like, which is our call, we don't have to be Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, we don't have to be the sacrifice for other people. But as we try to be Christ-like, um, we can see people in community and uh, strive to sacrifice for them without the need or the expectation for it to be reciprocated. As we think about city complexities and mm-hmm. violence and all the things that are happening, it can be a moment of just saying, I, I don't know how to help people that don't want help. And I go, oh, this is what Jesus felt. <laughs> and he ran <laughs> he very excited into that. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Thanks for... Uh, Hanging with us. It's a, it's a great conversation. John is really good, and I encourage you to be reading it. John should be read and reread, and if, uh, the best way to read it is if you have a Bible that has any um, online, has any blue links back to other scriptures, or if you have something that has a middle column that has read, read all of the, the hyperlinks, and it just builds a beautiful picture. Thanks. See you later, guys.
3: Thanks for joining us for another Corner Conversation. Today we're talking about, gosh, why can't I do this? It's so painful every single time. It's performance anxiety. Anyways, we're talking about Jesus' death, having the conversation about what that represents for us today. A lot of complexities to faith. Thanks for joining us. Hope you enjoy.
1: We are on Today's it today. Today's gonna be quick today. Sure. It's a fast. <sighs> this is definitely the message we wanna just like hurry over. Oh wait. Just it's get okay. past it. Just Jesus died. Jesus, Jesus died.
3: Move past it. Get to the resurrection already. See
1: you next week. Oh, uh, that's what really? the church does all the
0: time. That's fair.
3: Not this week. Because you know what?
0: When when you go into a church and they say, He died He died indeed!
3: (laughs) (laughs) Which is really interesting. Like what if what if Jesus did just die? What what would Christianity be like? I know we're talking about the death this week, but it'd be it'd be interesting if Jesus if we didn't have like a mainstay of our faith being that Jesus came back to life. What would it what would it do? What would it be different? What do you want me to say?
0: It, I only have bad responses to that question.
3: <laughs> uh, nothing would change. Uh,
0: the, I think, the details of what happened, does that really, does that change our perspective of what it is to be followed Jesus? I think that my study over the last couple of weeks about Jesus' death opens up a whole bunch of complexities that are known or unknown or people have spent their life trying to understand. Yeah and the, I think that we should spend time on those things we meaning not us right now but we as followers of Christ should dig into that but I don't think that necessarily changes what it means how we should respond to it its impact
1: I think the danger comes when you're focusing your entire faith off of what the past or what happened like I think those are good foundations but if it if your only reason for relationship with or the only reason of faith in Jesus is what he did on the cross or resurrection, then you're missing 90%
0: yeah. of what faith really is. Hmm. So, I mean, this is hopefully nobody listens to this, but you know, the, <laughs> the uh, there was a time in church history where people said, you know what, it says in scripture that the, the sun and move, moon revolves around us. And so when they discovered that the sun, hey, maybe the sun, we we revolve around the sun. Maybe the sun doesn't revolve around us. People said, uh, over my dead body and Jesus's whatever. You know, like the, those were things that were like make or break. This can't be. And the same thing could be true. Is like, if is all of our theology broken if we discover dinosaur bones? Is all my theology broken if... If Darwin, some of what Darwin said is right, is all my theology broken? And and I would say, again, since nobody's listening, no, it doesn't break my theology. It's so it doesn't break my theology at all. But at the same time, I think that there is something about there's, uh, I do believe Jesus living, dying, and rising again. There's something, that that's an important part of my theology. But at the same time, it's so easy to just, like, this is a lot of our conversation in this, is just to go... Okay, I guess that's important. So I'll mindlessly just say it or believe it. I don't even know what that means, but and so we gotta go. It's gotta go farther than that.
3: And what does presence, like Greg's talked about a lot, presence over time? What does that look like in terms of how we do the learning process of faith? Because hmm. I think how weird it would be for me and my wife if our aim in life over the next seventy so years would be that we could You're just live over hundred. That's the goal if we could just know everything about each other and... Both of you? Yeah, we're it's going beautiful. for it. Wow, We're going for the two hundo. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, but just like if the goal of our life together was that we would know everything about each other and be able to remember every single thing about each other, like even if we had the mental capacity to do that, when we get to the end of our life together, like how sad would we be to be like, well, we just got all the answers and we missed out on the opportunity to live together to experience life together to have relationship in the midst of questions and process and learning
1: yeah yeah. there's a huge difference between the uh, practice of just like remembrance so like if you're married your anniversary or if you're a parent your child's birthday like these are these remembrance moments of what has been but if that's all it ever is too then things get weird fast
0: yeah and you know, to add another element that was part of our conversation behind our preparation for this is that if we see Jesus's death as just a clear declaration of how terrible we are as people, uh, we're really missing something. You know, Jesus... I would say completely missing the point. Yeah. Which is so hard because there's there's some semantic, there's some words that make it, I don't know, complex or hard to wrap my head around. Jesus died for my sins. Mm. Okay, okay, I got that. I guess, and then, but my sins are which are things that uh, separate me. It can, it's me walking away from God. Jesus dying for that, but his, he isn't walking to his death going, these terrible people have hmm. to be died for.
3: Yeah, yeah, I really come off into this place of this conversation on value and. I don't know. I, I think I grew up in a culture, and I mean, you guys probably experienced this too, that it really was about how bad we were. And like, thank God that he was willing to come save a dirty, rotten worm like me. A wretch. Yeah. Which yeah.
0: to me, a or wretch wait, is wait, like when, when you're, you almost throw up. What did your daughter <laughs> call it?
3: <laughs> Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound. To allow a latch like latch. me. A latch. A latch. Thank yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Avina Garnett, for teaching Cam the right words to Amazing Grace. <laughs> and just, I mean, I have moments that I, in myself, I feel or have felt, wow, I feel wretched. I feel terrible. <laughs> I feel like the worst of people. But when we use our experiences to create a, false truth narrative of what god sees about us that's where theology gets weird and we yeah we, we start telling people you're just a dirty terrible sinner good thing god was good enough to come and live and die for I don't you. think
1: I don't think I think that perspective I think a god that dies for people if that's the true perspective of people I don't think that's actually a good god like a god who just goes man these people are so evil and terrible And I'm going to save them. Why would you want to save the bottom, the worst, the most terrible?
3: It doesn't make any sense because what we see actually in this whole narrative of scripture is actually from the beginning, from the Hmm. garden when Adam and Eve were with God. And there's complexity to that story as well. But that God from the start said, I have immense value in this creation to the extent that when they are lost in their way, I'm gonna come and live and rescue them. Like mm-hmm. that's the value I see. That I'm willing to take my perfect life and give it up to have connection with them. That's mm-hmm. immense value, and it's not like oh, but I'm so. But you special. have to feel
0: like the the thing though is that it's so such a razor's edge from going, um, I fall short, or I can, I need Jesus. I need what Jesus did, mm-hmm. and I, I mean just to I I. Like to be wretched, to see yourself as awful, is like it's not a big leap, mm-hmm. but also it's not a big leap to go to the next. Which I, again, I think is the beauty of the whole story of Jesus's death and his choosing to go through this process is because he's going. I love them. They have value. They they are my perfection. Yeah, I think it's
1: easiest for me to think about it in terms of like, so God, God is this painter, whatever a famous painter, and he paints this image. Name
0: name one famous painter. I just want to Let's play this game. Um, I don't
1: want to <laughs> I am not into art. You, you should ask Cam. <laughs> She'll give you an earful. Yeah. But pick whoever your favorite artist is. And they do this painting, right? We are that painting. Like we are per- mm. there's perfection. But then the people moving the painting or something happens, it, it sits out in the sun, it, yeah. something happens and it just des- it starts to destroy part of the painting. And Jesus is the person that comes and is in
0: the restoring process. The painting is so valuable that it's worth restoring. Yeah. And I think... I mean, that's a great illustrator of it because the thing that is mind-bending... Like, it's been in a couple... Like, the Smithsonian's in D.C. They have these windows into, like, the restoration rooms and stuff. Yeah. And uh, if you go... um, Whatever. One of the Smithsonian's has the original Star Spangled Banner, this humongous flag that flew over this battlefield. That's what the song was written about. And it's it's totally... It's really dark. It's, you know... And it's this... It's huge... But they talk they tell the story of the restoration of that flag and it was an epic process mm-hmm. to save and to you know, they there was a huge chunk of it that they were cutting into little pieces and selling to raise money, or I think that was the story, or they were giving away people were stealing little pieces of it and so like and so but to restore it back to something that is presentable or even to restore something back to perfection is hard. Yeah. And yes. so it's beautiful. So the beauty of it that I see is that Christ looks at
1: us and says, you have so much value that you're worth this restoration of relationship yeah. Yeah. With between you and me. Yeah. Yeah. Not that like you're so bad that I have to step in. Man, these guys are freaking screwed up. I have to go uh, save them. That's not... That's great. not Jesus directed us. You're so awesome. Life has its struggles and circumstances and things are hard and things get screwed up. But I want to bring,
0: bring about healing yeah. and, and restoration. And you think about the heart behind... Each end of that. If you um, think about Jesus as being somebody who's into seeing that value and restoration, the heart behind that is one that is just pure affection and love and true seeing. If you think about the one who sees themselves as somebody just being the worst, terrible, uh, then you start to see other people as the worst or terrible. You Mm. start to see uh, God as somebody who... uh, barely likes you. I don't mm. I don't really even know that. The deep impact of being it definitely makes God seem weird. Right? Like if you're like if I'm well, so bad,
1: I'm not worth saving, but then God does this thing like what does he want out of it? Like yeah. it mm. makes you super skeptical yeah, of it who, turns, who
3: God is. Turns into the well, what do I got to do to make him happy cuz mm. he's not happy with me cuz he came out of like obligation, I guess. Yeah.
0: And so we I I think and this has been something that I've been I've been starting to just see everywhere, and something that I've really been celebrating is the tension in a lot of our faith. Again, we like to have clean, clear resolve, and maybe that's why we go to these extremes. But to sit in the tension that I need to be restored, and Jesus died for my sins, and um, I, I, have, I embody perfection, and yet I also am part of imperfection. All these things are in tension. And to, actually, I think like we're gonna ask a question that should be like a foundation of a Christian's belief, but it's so hard to verbalize it. Maybe it's because we don't necessarily think about it. But what does Jesus's death have? How does that impact you today? Yeah. And I think there's some answers that are maybe easy to give, but like actually to dig into that is beautiful. And we're gonna talk about uh, stories, family stories, things that are passed down. There's a lot of Good and funny, and there's some really terrible yeah. stories that gets passed down. But you can think about your folklore of your family and say, "I that doesn't have anything to do with me." Whatever happened three generations ago, but there's a lot of things that happened three generations ago that have immense impact, even in your existence. Yeah, and so to think about the cross, uh, the death of Jesus, and how is that impacting you? Hmm.
3: Yeah, it's good. That's kind of amazing. The just the pictures you've brought up Scott over the last 30 weeks of just all these really intentional kind of artful things John does in his writing and I think what's as we learn more and more we see so many more layers of beauty in the story of the cross that when Jesus is there Mm -hmm. crucifixion was reserved for the worst of the worst the Romans like to do it to put people on display to say don't Hmm. do this and so Jesus has these two men next to him that culture would say these are the worst of the worst people they're on a cross they're being crucified and this one man who says you know Jesus remember me in your kingdom that Jesus turns to him and says you're going to be with me Um, I'm bringing you like I'm choosing you and like I mean I take liberty with this but when Jesus is on the cross we often think you know or at least cultural narrative like well he was thinking about all your sins he was thinking about everything that was on his shoulders and I can't help but imagine that he was actually knowing what the end of the story was and just so excited for what was to come. Not in that moment, per se, because it was a painful moment. But just like he knew what was coming. Mm. And in the moment where he's looking around, seeing these people saying, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. I think he's including us in that as well. But when he comes back to his disciples, we get into next week. I mean, just the mm. just the progression that he, he walks with is like, man, he knows what's coming. And he's excited for it. I can't help but think that that's... That's where he was when he was sitting on the cross. It wasn't this, like, defeated, like, oh, man, I just really wish Zach would get his stuff together <laughs> well, 2,000 years from now. Uh, I'm,
0: I'm just thinking about it now, just in the hyperlink world, thinking about Jonah huh? and his call to go reach out to
3: Nineveh. Jonah Patona.
0: <laughs> right, Nineveh? Patona. And he runs from his calling But it's here God is... Because they're bad people. And uh, God sees value in these bad people. It's really beautiful. And then, you know, in Jonah in his... He's like... uh, This whole narrative goes to him even just wanting to lose his own life. And uh, um, in the midst of...
3: (laughs) He wants to die because God's being nice to these people.
0: Yeah. And so... Just thinking, what is the heart of God? i felt like that before.
1: <laughs> In fact, when Zach was really good on the disc golf course yesterday, and I threw out a bounce seven times,
0: wow, I was really upset. But why would God let Zach play so good? I think there was this moment. Listen, I don't think God cares. If you're praying before each throw, it's a hollow prayer.
3: Zach, what'd you get? Oh, I got a two. Wait, you got a birdie? Yeah. Screw you! <laughs> <laughs> Not. I'm proud
0: of you. So great. I'm glad I'm here. But the heart—the heart of God is on display there. Is that heart of humanity can be good, good enough, adequate, or terrible. Don't associate. They deserve to die. And the heart of God on display is no. They're in. I'm after them. And I'm going to use you, which is. Another part of this whole thing that we're walking towards in John. Yeah. Anyway, it's important to keep processing. We've uh, we're 34 weeks into the book of John, and I would <laughs> encourage you to to read and reread John. And uh, I'll, we haven't said it in a while in our podcast, but you know, you're, if you're in Minneapolis, I encourage you to dive into church community. If it's us or somewhere else, if you're, wherever you're at, uh, being a part of, uh, hearing a message is not being a part of a church. Uh, being a part of community, investing in people, caring for people, that's that's the church. And so I encourage you to do that wherever you're at. And if you want to hang out with us, we are reachable. You can find us. Coming up. See you guys later.
3: Thanks for joining us for another corner conversation. Today we're talking about, gosh, why can't I do this? It's so painful every single time. It's performance anxiety. Anyways, we're talking about Jesus' death, having the conversation about what that represents for us today. A lot of complexities to faith. Thanks for joining us, hope you enjoy.
1: We are on Today's it today. Today's gonna be quick today. Sure. It's a fast. <sighs> this is definitely the message we want to just, like, hurry over. Oh, wait. Just it's get okay. past it.
3: Just, Jesus died. Jesus, Jesus died. Just
1: move past D- it. Get to the resurrection already. See you next week. Oh, uh,
0: that's really? what the church
1: does all the time. That's fair.
0: Not this week. Because you know what? When, when you go into a church and they say, He died.
1: He died indeed!
3: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Which is really interesting, like what if what if Jesus did just die? What what would Christianity be like? I know we're talking about the death this week, but it'd be it'd be interesting if Jesus if we didn't have like a mainstay of our faith being that Jesus came back to life. What would it what would it do? What would it be different? What do you want me to say? I, I only have bad responses to that
0: question.
3: <laughs> uh, nothing would change. Uh,
0: the, I think, the details of what happened, does that really, does that change our perspective of what it is to be a of Jesus? I think that my study over the last couple of weeks about Jesus' death opens up a whole bunch of complexities that are known or unknown or people have spent their life trying to understand. Yeah. And well, that I think that we should spend time on those things. We meaning not us right now, but we as followers of Christ should dig into that. But I don't think that necessarily changes what it means how we should respond to it. Its impact. I think the danger comes when you're focusing
1: your entire faith off of what the past or what happened. Like I think those are good foundations, but if it if your only reason for relationship with or the only reason of faith in Jesus is what he did on the cross or resurrection, then you're missing 90% yeah. of what faith really is. Mm. So,
0: I mean, this is... Hopefully nobody listens to this, but you know the, <laughs> the, uh, there was a time in church history where people said, you know what, it says in Scripture that the, the sun and move, moon revolves around us. And so when they discovered that the sun, hey, maybe the sun, we we revolve around the sun. Maybe the sun doesn't revolve around us. People said, uh, over my dead body and Jesus's whatever. You know, like the, those were things that were like make or break. This can't be. And the same thing could be true. Is like, if is all of our theology broken if we discover dinosaur bones? Is all my theology broken if, if Darwin, some of what Darwin said is right, is all my theology broken? And and I would say, again, since nobody's listening, no, it doesn't break my theology. It's it doesn't break my theology at all. But at the same time, I think that there is something about this. Uh, I do believe Jesus living, dying, and rising again. There's something that that's an important part of my theology. But at the same time, it's so easy to just, like, this is a lot of our conversation in this, is just to go... Okay, I guess that's important. So I'll mindlessly just say it or believe it. I don't even know what that means, but and so we gotta go. It's gotta go farther than that.
3: And what does presence, like Greg's talked about a lot, presence over time? What does that look like in terms of how we do the learning process of faith?
2: Hmm.
3: Because I think how weird it would be for me and my wife if our aim in life over the next seventy so years would be that we could just live over hundred. That's the goal. If we could just know everything about each other and Both of you? Yeah. We're it's going beautiful. for it. Wow. We're going for the two Hundo. <laughs> okay. Uh, but just like if the goal of our life together was that we would know everything about each other and be able to remember every single thing about each other, like even if we had the mental capacity to do that, when we get to the end of our life together, like how sad would we be to be like, Well, we just got all the answers and we missed out on the opportunity to live together, to experience life together, to have relationship in the midst of questions and process and learning.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's a huge difference between the uh, practice of just like remembrance. So, like, if you're married, your anniversary, or if you're a parent, your child's birthday. Like, these are these remembrance moments of what has been. But if that's all it ever is, too, then things get weird fast.
0: Oh yeah. God. And. Yeah. You know, to add another element that was part of our conversation, behind our preparation for this is that if we see Jesus's death as just a clear declaration of how terrible we are as people, uh, we're really missing something. You know, Jesus. I would say completely missing the point. Yeah, which is so hard because there's there's some semantic there's some words that make it, I don't know, complex or hard to wrap my head around. Jesus died for my sins. Mm. Okay, okay, I got that. I guess, and then, but my sins are which are things that uh, separate me. It can, it's me walking away from God. Jesus dying for that, but his, he isn't walking to his death going, these terrible people have hmm. to be died for.
3: Yeah, yeah, I really come off into this place of this conversation on value and. I don't know. I, I think I grew up in a culture, and I mean, you guys probably experienced this too—that it really was about how bad we were, and like, thank God that He was willing to come save a dirty, rotten, worm-like me—a wretch.
0: Yeah. Which, to me, a or wretch wait, is wait, like when you your,
3: almost throw up. your
0: daughter call it?
3: <laughs> <laughs> Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. To allow a latch like me. A latch. A latch. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Avina Garner, for teaching Cam the right words to Amazing Grace. (laughs) And just, I mean, I have moments that I, in myself, I feel or have felt. Wow. I feel wretched. I feel terrible. (laughs) I feel like the worst of people. But when we use our experiences to create a... False truth narrative of what God sees about us. That's where theology gets weird, and we yeah we, we start telling people, you're just a dirty, terrible sinner. Good thing God was good enough to come and live and die. For I don't you. think
1: I don't think, I think that perspective. I think a God that dies for people, if that's the true perspective of people, I don't think that's actually a good God. Like a God who just goes, man, these people are so evil and terrible. And I'm going to save them. Why would you want to save oh. the bottom, the no. worst, the no. most terrible?
3: Like It doesn't make any sense because what yeah. we see actually in this whole narrative of scripture is actually from the beginning, from the hmm. garden when Adam and Eve were with God. And there's complexity to that story as well. But that God from the start said, I have immense value in this creation to the extent that when they are lost in their way, I'm going to come and live and rescue them. Like, mm-hmm. that's the value I see, that I'm willing to take my perfect life and give it up to have connection with them. That's mm-hmm. immense value. And it's not like, oh, but I'm so stupid. But special. you have to feel like... The, the thing, though, is that it's so, such a razor's
0: edge from going, um, I fall short, or I can, I need Jesus. I need what Jesus did. Hmm. And, I, I mean, just to... I, I like to be wretched to see yourself as awful is like it's not a big leap, mm-hmm. but also it's not a big leap to go to the next. Which I, again, I think is the beauty of the whole story of Jesus's death and his choosing to go through this process is because he's going. I love them. They have value. They they are my perfection. Yeah, I think it's easiest for me to think about it in terms of like,
1: so God, God is this painter, whatever a famous painter, and he paints
0: this image. Name name one famous painter. I just want to. Let's play um, this game. I don't want
3: <laughs> I am not into art. You, you should ask Cam. She'll give you an earful. Yeah.
1: But pick whoever your favorite artist is. And they do this painting, right? We are that painting. Like, we're per- mm. there's perfection. But then the people moving the painting or something happens. It, it sits out in the sun. It, something yeah. happens and it just des- it starts to destroy part of the painting. And Jesus is the person that comes and is in that restoring process. The painting is so valuable
0: that it's worth restoring. Yeah. And I think I mean that's a great illustrator of it because the thing that is mind bending. Like I've been in a couple, like the Smithsonian's in DC. They have these windows into like the restoration rooms and stuff. Yeah. And uh, if you go, um, like whatever, one of the Smithsonian's has the original Star Spangled Banner. This humongous flag that flew over this battlefield. That's what the song was written about. And it's in. It's total. It's really dark. It's you know, and it's this. Hu. It's huge. But they talk, they tell the story of the restoration of that flag, and it was an epic process mm-hmm. to save and to, you know, they. There was a huge chunk of it that they were cutting into little pieces and selling to raise money. Or I think that was the story, or they were giving away. People were stealing little pieces of it, and so like, and so, but to restore it back to something that is presentable, or even to restore something back to perfection, is. Hard, yeah. and so it's be- beautiful. So the beauty
1: of it that I see is that Christ looks at us and says, You have so much value that you're worth this restoration of relationship yeah. Yeah. With between you and me. Yeah. Yeah. Not that like you're so bad that I have to step in, man, these guys are freaking screwed up, I have to go uh, save them. That's not that's great. not Jesus. I guess us. I ought to do this. You're so awesome. Life has its struggles and circumstances, and things are hard and things get screwed up, but I want to bring, bring about healing yeah. and, and restoration.
0: And you think about the heart behind. Each end of that. If you um, think about Jesus as being somebody who's into seeing that value and restoration, the heart behind that is one that is just pure affection and love and true seeing. If you think about the one who sees themselves as somebody just being the worst, terrible, uh, then you start to see other people as the worst or terrible. You Mm. start to see uh, God as somebody who... uh, Barely likes you. I don't. Mm. I don't even really know that the deep impact of being. It definitely makes God seem weird, right?
1: Like if you're like, if I'm well, so bad, I'm not worth saving. But then God does this thing. Like, what does He want out of it? Like, yeah. it makes mm. you super skeptical. Yeah, it of who, turns, who
3: God is turns into the. Well, what do I got to do to make Him happy? Because, mm. He's not happy with me because He came out of, like, obligation, I guess. Yeah,
0: and so we, I I think, and this has been something that I've been. I've been starting to just see everywhere, and something that I've really been celebrating is the tension in a lot of our faith. Again, we like to have clean, clear resolve, and maybe that's why we go to these extremes. But to sit in the tension that I need to be restored, and Jesus died for my sins, and um, I, I, have, I embody perfection, and yet I also am part of imperfection. All these things are in tension. And to actually, I think like we're going to ask a question that should be like a foundation of a Christian's belief, but it's so hard to verbalize it. Maybe it's because we don't necessarily think about it, but what does Jesus' death have? How does that impact you today? Yeah. And I think there's some answers that are maybe easy to give, but like actually to dig into that is beautiful. And we're going to talk about uh, stories, family stories, things that are passed down. There's a lot of. Good and funny, and there's some really terrible yeah stories that gets passed down, but you can think about your folklore of your family and say i that doesn't have anything to do with me, whatever happened three generations ago, but there's a lot of things that happened three generations ago that have immense impact, even in your existence, yeah, and so to think about the cross, uh the death of Jesus, and how is that impacting you hmm.
3: yeah it's good that's kind of amazing the just the Pictures you've brought up, Scott, over the last 30 weeks of just all these really intentional, kind of artful things John does in his writing. And I think what's as we learn more and more, we see so many more layers of beauty in the story of the cross. That when Jesus is there, like, crucifixion was reserved for the worst of the worst. The Romans like to do it to put people on display to say, don't hmm. do this. And so Jesus has these two men next to him that culture would say, these are the worst of the worst people. They're on a cross. They're being crucified. And this one man who says, you know, Jesus, remember me in your kingdom, that Jesus turns to him and says, you're you're going to be with me. Um, I'm bringing you. Like, I'm choosing you. And, like, I mean, I take liberty with this. But when Jesus is on the cross, we often think, you know, or at least cultural narrative, like, well, he was thinking about all your sins. He was thinking Dad. about everything that was on his shoulders. And I can't help but imagine that he was actually knowing what the end of the story was and just so excited for what was to come not in that moment per se because it was a painful moment but just like he knew what was coming Mm. and in the moment where he's looking around seeing these people saying father forgive them they don't know what they're doing I think he's including us in that as well but when he comes back to his disciples we get into next week I mean just the Mm. just the progression that he he walks with is like man he knows what's coming and he's excited for it I can't help but think that that's that's where he was when he was sitting on the cross. It wasn't this, like, defeated, like, oh, man, I just really wish Zach would get his stuff together <laughs> well, 2,000 years from now. Uh, I'm,
0: I'm just thinking about it now, just in the hyperlink world, thinking about Jonah huh? and his call to go reach out to Nineveh.
3: Jonah Patona.
0: <laughs> right, Nineveh? Patona. And he runs from his calling... But it's here God is, because they're bad people. And uh, God sees value in these bad people. It's really beautiful. And then, you know, in Jonah and his. Ugh. He's like. uh, This whole narrative goes to him even just wanting to lose his own life. And uh, um, in the midst of.
3: (laughs) He wants to die because God's being nice to these people.
0: Yeah. And so. Just thinking, what is the heart of God? i felt like that before. <laughs> In fact, when Zach was really good on the disc golf course
1: yesterday and I threw out a bounce seven times, wow, I was really upset. But why would God
0: let Zach play so good? I think there was this moment. Listen, I don't think God cares. If you're praying before each throw, it's a hollow prayer.
3: Zach, what'd you get? Oh, I got a two. Wait, you got a birdie? Yeah screw you. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I'm proud of you.
0: So great. I'm glad I'm here. But the heart the heart of God is on display there is that heart of humanity can be good good enough, adequate or terrible. Don't associate they deserve to die. And the heart of God on display is no. They're in. I'm after them. And I'm going to use you, which is another part of this whole thing that we're walking towards in John. Yeah. Anyway, it's important to keep processing. We've, uh, we're 34 weeks into the book of John, and I would <laughs> encourage you to, to read and reread John. And uh, I'll, we haven't said that in a while in our podcast, but you know, you're, if you're in Minneapolis, I encourage you to dive into church community, if it's us or somewhere else, if you're, wherever you're at. Uh, being a part of—hearing uh, a message is not being a part of a church— Uh, Being a part of community, investing in people, caring for people, that's, that's the church. And so I encourage you to do that wherever you're at. And if you want to hang out with us, we are Reachable. You can find us. Coming up. See you guys later.
3: Thanks for joining us for another Corner Conversation. Today we're talking about, gosh, why can't I do this? It's so painful every single time. It's performance anxiety. Anyways, we're talking about Jesus' death, having the conversation about what that represents for us today. A lot of complexities to faith. Thanks for joining us, hope you enjoy.
1: We are on Today's it. Today's gonna be quick today. Sure, it's so a fast. <sighs> this is definitely the message we want to just like hurry over. Oh wait, just get okay. past it. Just Jesus died. Jesus died. Move past. To it. Get to the resurrection already. See you next week. Oh, uh, that's what really? the church does all the time.
0: That's fair.
3: Not this week. No, because you know what?
0: When when you go into a church and they say, He died. He died indeed! <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: Which is really interesting. Like what if what if Jesus did just die? What, what would Christianity be like? I know we're talking about the death this week, but it'd be it'd be interesting if Jesus if we didn't have like a mainstay of our faith being that Jesus came back to life. What would it what would it do? What would it be different? What do you want me to say? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I only have bad responses to that question
3: (laughs) Uh, nothing would change Uh,
0: the I think the details of what happened does that really does that change our perspective what it is to be following Jesus I think that my study over the last couple weeks about Jesus' death opens up a whole bunch of complexities that are known or unknown or people have spent their life trying to understand yeah and well, I think that we should spend time on those things. We meaning not us right now, but we as followers of Christ should dig into that. But I don't think that necessarily changes what it means how we should respond to it. Its impact.
1: I think the danger comes when you're focusing your entire faith off of what the past or what happened. Like I think those are good foundations, but if it if your only reason for relationship with or the only reason of faith in Jesus is what he did on the cross or resurrection, then you're missing 90% yeah. of
0: what faith really is. Mm. So, I mean, this is... Hopefully nobody listens to this, but you know the, <laughs> the, uh, there was a time in church history where people said, you know what, it says in Scripture that the, the sun and move, moon revolves around us. And so when they discovered that the sun, hey, maybe the sun, we we revolve around the sun. Maybe the sun doesn't revolve around us. People said, uh, over my dead body and Jesus's whatever. You know, like the, those were things that were like make or break. This can't be. And the same thing could be true. Is like, if is all of our theology broken if we discover dinosaur bones? Is all my theology broken if... If Darwin, some of what Darwin said is right, is all my theology broken? And and I would say, again, since nobody's listening, no, it doesn't break my theology. It's it doesn't break my theology at all. But at the same time, I think that there is something about there's. Uh, I do believe Jesus living, dying, and rising again. There's something that that's an important part of my theology. But at the same time, it's so easy to just, like, this is a lot of our conversation in this, is just to go... Okay, I guess that's important. So I'll mindlessly just say it or believe it. I don't even know what that means, but okay. and so we gotta go. It's gotta go farther than that.
3: And what does presence, like Greg's talked about it a lot, presence over time? What does that look like in terms of how we do the learning process of faith? Because hmm. I think how weird it would be for me and my wife if our aim in life over the next seventy so years would be that we could You're just live over hundred. That's the goal. If we could just know everything about each other and... Both of you? Yeah. We're it's going beautiful. for it. Wow. We're going for the two hundo. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, but just like if the goal of our life together was that we would know everything about each other and be able to remember every single thing about each other, like even if we had the mental capacity to do that, when we get to the end of our life together, like how sad would we be to be like, well, we just got all the answers and we missed out on the opportunity to live together, to experience life together, to have relationship in the midst of questions and process and learning.
1: Yeah. yeah. There's a huge difference between the uh, practice of just, like, remembrance. So, like, if you're married, your anniversary. Or if you're a parent, your child's birthday. Like, these are these remembrance moments of what has been. But if that's all it ever is, too, then things get weird fast.
0: Yeah. And... You know, to add another element that was part of our conversation behind our preparation for this is that if we see Jesus's death as just a clear declaration of how terrible we are as people uh, we're really missing something you know Jesus I would say completely missing the point yeah which is so hard because there's there's some semantic there's some words that make it I don't know complex or hard to wrap my head around Jesus died for my sins. Mm. Okay, okay, I got that. I guess, and then, but my sins are which are things that uh, separate me. It can it's me walking away from God. Jesus dying for that, but his he isn't walking to his death going, these terrible people have hmm. to be died for.
3: Yeah, yeah, I really come off into this place of this conversation on value and. I don't know. I, I think I grew up in a culture, and I mean, you guys probably experienced this too. That it really was about how bad we were, and like, thank God that He was willing to come save a dirty, rotten, worm-like me. A wretch. Yeah. Which yeah.
0: to me, a wait, wretch wait, is like when is you your, almost what throw what up. your daughter <laughs> call it?
3: <laughs> Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. To allow a latch like me. A latch. A latch.
1: Yeah.
3: yeah. Thank you, Avina Garner, for teaching Cam the right words to Amazing Grace. (laughs) And just, I mean, I have moments that I, in myself, I feel or have felt, wow, I feel wretched. I feel terrible. (laughs) I feel like the worst of people. But when we use our experiences to create a, false truth narrative of what god sees about us that's where theology gets weird and we yeah we we start telling people you're just a dirty terrible sinner good thing god was good enough to come and live and die for I don't you. think
1: I don't think I think that perspective I think a god that dies for people if that's the true perspective of people I don't think that's actually a good god like a god who just goes man these people are so evil and terrible And I'm going to save them. Why would you want to save the bottom, the worst, the most terrible?
3: It doesn't make any sense because what we see actually in this whole narrative of Scripture is actually from the beginning, from the Hmm. garden when Adam and Eve were with God. And there's complexity to that story as well. But that God from the start said, I have immense value in this creation to the extent that when they are lost in their way, I'm gonna come and live and rescue them. Like mm-hmm. that's the value I see. That I'm willing to take my perfect life and give it up to have connection with them. That's mm-hmm. immense value, and it's not like
0: oh, but I'm so. But we have to feel like the the thing though is that it's so such a razor's edge from going. Um, I fall short, or I can. I need Jesus. I need what Jesus did, mm-hmm. and I, I mean just to I I, like to be wretched to see yourself as awful is like it's not a big leap but also it's not a big leap to go to the next which i again i think is the beauty of the whole story of jesus's death and his choosing to go through this process is because he's going i love them they have value they they are my perfection
1: yeah
0: i think it's easiest for
1: me to think about it in terms of like so god god is this painter
0: whatever a famous painter and he paints this name name one famous painter i just want to Let's play this game. Um, I don't want to <laughs> I am not into
1: art. You, you should ask Cam. Yeah. She'll give you an earful. Yeah. But pick whoever your favorite artist is. And they do this painting, right? We are that painting. Like, we're per- mm. there's perfection. But then the people moving the painting or something happens, it, it sits out in the sun. It, something yeah. happens and it just des- it starts to destroy part of the painting. And Jesus is the person that comes and is in that
0: restoring process. The painting is so valuable that it's worth restoring. Yeah. And I think... I mean, that's a great illustrator of it because the thing that is mind-bending... Like, it have been in a couple... Like, the Smithsonian's in D.C. They have these windows into, like, the restoration rooms and stuff. Yeah. And uh, if you go... Um, like whatever. One of the Smithsonian's has the original Star Spangled Banner, this humongous flag that flew over this battlefield. That's what the song was written about. And it's, in, it's totally... It's really dark. It's, you know... And it's this... It's huge... But they talk they tell the story of the restoration of that flag and it was an epic process mm-hmm. to save and to you know, they there was a huge chunk of it that they were cutting into little pieces and selling to raise money, or I think that was the story, or they were giving away people were stealing little pieces of it and so like and so but to restore it back to something that is presentable or even to restore something back to perfection is hard. Yeah. And so it's be- beautiful. beautiful. The beauty of it that I see is that Christ looks at us and says,
1: you have so much value that you're worth this restoration of relationship yeah. Yeah. With between you and me. Yeah. Yeah. Not that like you're so bad that I have to step in. Man, these guys are freaking screwed up. I have to go uh, save them. That's not... That's not Jesus directed I I us. Yeah. You're so awesome. Life has its struggles and circumstances and things are hard and things get screwed up. But I want to bring,
0: bring about healing yeah. and, and restoration. And you think about the heart behind each end of that. If you um, think about Jesus as being somebody who's into seeing that value and restoration, the heart behind that is one that is just pure affection and love and true yeah. seeing. If you think about the one who sees themselves as somebody just being the worst, terrible, uh, then you start to see other people as the worst or terrible. You mm. start to see uh, God as somebody who. Uh, barely likes you. I don't mm. I don't really know that the deep impact of being...
1: It definitely makes God seem weird, right? Like, if you're like... If I'm well, so bad, I'm not worth saving, but then God does this thing, like, what does he want out of it? Like, yeah. it makes mm. you super skeptical yeah, it of who, turns, who
3: God is. It turns into the... Well, what do I got to do to make him happy? Because mm. he's not happy with me because he came out of, like, obligation, I guess.
0: Yeah. And so we... I, I think, and this has been something that I've been... I've been starting to just see everywhere, and something that I've really been celebrating is the tension in a lot of our faith. Again, we like to have clean, clear resolve, and maybe that's why we go to these extremes. But to sit in the tension that I need to be restored, and Jesus died for my sins, and um, I, I, have, I embody perfection, and yet I also am part of imperfection. All these things are in tension. And to actually, I think like we're going to ask a question that should be like a foundation of a Christian's belief, but it's so hard to verbalize it. Maybe it's because we don't necessarily think about it, but what does Jesus' death have? How does that impact you today? Yeah. And I think there's some answers that are maybe easy to give, but like actually to dig into that is beautiful. And we're going to talk about uh, stories, family stories, things that are passed down. There's a lot of good and funny and there's some really terrible yeah. Stories that gets passed down, but you can think about your folklore of your family and say, I that doesn't have anything to do with me, whatever happened three generations ago. But there's a lot of things that happened three generations ago that have immense impact, even in your existence. Yeah. And so to think about the cross, uh, the death of Jesus and how is that impacting you? Hmm. Yeah.
3: It's good. That's kind of amazing, the just the Pictures you've brought up, Scott, over the last 30 weeks of just all these really intentional, kind of artful things John does in his writing. And I think what's as we learn more and more, we see so many more layers of beauty in the story of the cross that when Jesus is there, crucifixion was reserved for the worst of the worst. The Romans like to do it to put people on display to say, don't Hmm. do this. And so Jesus has these two men next to him That culture would say, these are the worst of the worst people. They're on a cross. They're being crucified. And this one man who says, you know, Jesus, remember me in your kingdom, that Jesus turns to him and says, you're going to be with me. Um, I'm bringing you. Like, I'm choosing you. And, like, I mean, I take liberty with this. But when Jesus is on the cross, we often think, you know, or at least cultural narrative, like, well, he was thinking about all your sins. He was thinking about everything that was on his shoulders. And I can't help but imagine that he was actually knowing what the end of the story was and just so excited for what was to come not in that moment per se because it was a painful moment but just like he knew what was coming Mm. and in the moment where he's looking around seeing these people saying father forgive them they don't know what they're doing i think he's including us in that as well but when he comes back to his disciples we get into next week i mean just the Mm. just the progression that he he walks with is like man he knows what's coming and he's excited for it i can't help but think that that's that's where he was when he was sitting on the cross. It wasn't this like defeated, like, oh man, I just really wish Zach would get his stuff together <laughs> well, 2,000 years from now. And
0: uh, I'm just thinking about it now, just in the hyperlink world, thinking about Jonah huh? and his call to go reach out to Nineveh.
3: Jonah Patona.
0: <laughs> right, Nineveh? Patona. <Put. laughs> Patona. And he runs from his calling... But it's here God is, because they're bad people, and uh, God sees value in these bad people. It's really beautiful. And then, you know, in Jonah, in his, ugh, you know, he, he's like, uh, this whole narrative goes to him even just wanting to lose his own life and uh, um, well, in the midst of...
3: <laughs> he wants to die because God's being nice to these people. Yeah.
0: And so... Just thinking, what is the heart of God? i felt like that before.
3: <laughs>
1: In fact, when Zach was really good on the disc golf course yesterday, and I threw out a bounce seven times, wow, I
0: was really upset. But why would God let Zach play so good? I think there was this moment. Listen, I don't think God cares. If you're praying before each throw, it's a hollow prayer. Zach,
3: what'd you get? Oh, I got a two. Wait, you got a birdie? Yeah screw you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Not I'm proud of you. So great. I'm glad I'm here. But the heart the heart of God is on display there is that heart of humanity can be good good enough, adequate or terrible. Don't associate they deserve to die. And the heart of God on display is no. They're in. I'm after them. And I'm going to use you, which is Another part of this whole thing that we're walking towards in John. Yeah. Anyway, it's important to keep processing. We've uh, we're 34 weeks into the book of John, and I would <laughs> encourage you to to read and reread John. And uh, I'll, we haven't said that in a while in our podcast, but you know, you're, if you're in Minneapolis, I encourage you to dive into church community. If it's us or somewhere else, if you're, wherever you're at, uh, being a part of, uh, hearing a message is not being a part of a church. Uh, being a part of community, investing in people, caring for people, that's that's the church. And so I encourage you to do that wherever you're at. And if you want to hang out with us, we are reachable. You can find us. Coming up. See you guys later.
3: Thanks for joining us for another Corner Conversation. Today we're talking about, gosh, why can't I do this? It's so painful every single time. It's performance anxiety. Anyways, we're talking about Jesus' death, having the conversation about what that represents for us today. A lot of complexities to faith. Uh, thanks for joining us. Hope you enjoy.
1: We are on Today's it. Can he's gonna be quick today? Sure. It's so a fast. <sighs> this is definitely the message we want to just like hurry over. Oh wait, just You're, get okay. past it. Just Jesus died, Jesus, Jesus died, just move past Done. it. Get to the resurrection already. See you next week. Oh, uh, that's really? what the church does all the time. That's fair. Not this week.
0: Because you know what? When when you go into a church and they say, He died!
1: He died indeed!
3: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Which is really interesting. Like what if what if Jesus did just die? What what would Christianity be like? I know we're talking about the death this week, but it'd be it'd be interesting if Jesus if we didn't have like a mainstay of our faith being that Jesus came back to life. What would it what would it do? What would it be different? What do you want me to say? I, I well, only have bad responses to that question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nothing would change. Uh,
0: the, I think, the details of what happened, does that really, does that change our perspective what it is to be a of Jesus? I think that my study over the last couple of weeks about Jesus' death opens up a whole bunch of complexities that are known or unknown or people have spent their life trying to understand. Yeah. And the, I think that we should spend time on those things. We meaning not us right now. But we as followers of Christ should dig into that. But I don't think that necessarily changes what it means, how we should respond to it, its impact. I think the danger comes when you're focusing your entire
1: faith off of what the past or what happened. Like, I think those are good foundations. But if it if your only reason for relationship with, or the only reason of faith in Jesus is what he did on the cross or resurrection, then you're missing 90% yeah. of what faith really is. Mm-hmm. So,
0: I mean, this is... Hopefully nobody listens to this, but you know <laughs> the, the, uh, there was a time in church history where people said, you know what, it says in Scripture that the, the sun and move, moon revolves around us. And so when they discovered that the sun, hey, maybe the sun, we we revolve around the sun. Maybe the sun doesn't revolve around us. People said, uh, over my dead body and Jesus's whatever. You know, like, the, those were things that were like, make or break. This can't be. And the same thing could be true. Is like, if is all of our theology broken if we discover dinosaur bones? Is all my theology broken if... If Darwin, some of what Darwin said is right, is all my theology broken? And and I would say, again, since nobody's listening, no, it doesn't break my theology. It's it doesn't break my theology at all. But at the same time, I think that there is something about there's. Uh, I do believe Jesus living, dying, and rising again. There's something that that's an important part of my theology. But at the same time, it's so easy to just, like, this is a lot of our conversation in this, is just to go... Okay, I guess that's important. So I'll mindlessly just say it or believe it. I don't even know what that means, but okay. and so we got to go. It's got to go farther than that.
3: And what does presence, like Greg's talked about a lot, presence over time? What does that look like in terms of how we do the learning process of faith? Because hmm. I think how weird it would be for me and my wife if our aim in life over the next seventy so years would be that we could You're just live over a hundred. That's the goal. If we could just know everything about each other and... Both of you?
0: Yeah.
1: We're it's going beautiful. for it.
3: Wow. We're going for the two hundo. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, but just like if the goal of our life together was that we would know everything about each other and be able to remember every single thing about each other, like even if we had the mental capacity to do that, when we get to the end of our life together, like how sad would we be to be like, well, we just got all the answers and we missed out on the opportunity to live together, to experience life together, to have relationship in the midst of questions and process and learning.
1: Yeah, yeah. there's a huge difference between the uh, practice of just, like, remembrance. So, like, if you're married, your anniversary. Or if you're a parent, your child's birthday. Like, these are these remembrance moments of what has been. But if that's all it ever is, too, then things get weird fast.
0: Oh yeah. Gosh. And... You know, to add another element that was part of our conversation, behind our preparation for this is that if we see Jesus's death as just a clear declaration of how terrible we are as people, uh, we're really missing something. You know, Jesus. I would say completely missing the point. Yeah, which is so hard because there's there's some semantic there's some words that make it, I don't know, complex or hard to wrap my head around. Jesus died for my sins. Mm. Okay, okay, I got that. I guess, and then, but my sins are which are things that uh, separate me. It can it's me walking away from God. Jesus dying for that, but his he isn't walking to his death going, these terrible people have hmm. to be died for.
3: Yeah, yeah, I really come off into this place of this conversation on value and. I don't know. I I think I grew up in a culture, and I mean, you guys probably experienced this too, that it really was about how bad we were. And like, thank God that he was willing to come save a dirty, rotten, worm-like me.
0: A wretch. Yeah. Which, to me, a wretch is like when when you almost throw up. What your daughter call it?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound... To allow a latch like me. A latch. A latch. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Avina Garner, for teaching Cam the right words to Amazing Grace. (laughs) And just, I mean, I have moments that I, in myself, I feel, or have felt, wow, I feel wretched. I feel terrible. (laughs) I feel like the worst of people. But when we use our experiences to create a false truth narrative of what god sees about us that's where theology gets weird and we yeah we we start telling people you're just a dirty terrible sinner good thing god was good enough to come and live and die for I don't you. think
1: I don't think I think that perspective I think a god that dies for people if that's the true perspective of people I don't think that's actually a good god like a god who just goes man these people are so evil and terrible and I'm going to save them? Why would you want to save really? the bottom, the no. worst, the no. most terrible?
3: Like It doesn't make any sense. Because what yeah. we see actually in this whole narrative of Scripture is actually from the beginning, from the hmm. garden when Adam and Eve were with God. And there's complexity to that story as well. But that God from the start said, I have immense value in this creation. To the extent that when they are lost in their way, I'm gonna come and live and rescue them. Like mm-hmm. that's the value I see. That I'm willing to take my perfect life and give it up to have connection with them. That's immense value, and it's not like oh, but I'm the, so. But special. you have to
0: feel like the the thing though is that it's so such a razor's edge from going, um, I fall short, or I can, I need Jesus. I need what Jesus did, hmm. and I, I mean just to I I. Like to be wretched to see yourself as awful is like it's not a big leap, mm-hmm. but also it's not a big leap to go to the next. Which I, again I think is the beauty of the whole story of Jesus' death and his choosing to go through this process is because he's going. I love them. They have value. They they are my perfection. Yeah, I think it's easiest for me to think about it in terms of like, so
1: God, God is this painter, whatever a famous painter, and he paints this image. Name
0: name one famous painter. I just want to. See. Let's play this game. Um, I don't want
3: to <laughs> I am not into art. You, you should ask Cam. She'll <laughs> give you an earful. Yeah. But
1: pick whoever your favorite artist is. And they do this painting, right? We are that painting. Like we are per- mm. there's perfection. But then the people moving the painting or something happens, it, it sits out in the sun, it yes. something happens and it just des- it starts to destroy part of the painting. And Jesus is the person that comes and is in the restoring process. The painting is so valuable that
0: it's worth restoring. Yeah. And I think... I mean, that's a great illustrator of it because the thing that is mind-bending... Like, it's been in a couple... Like, the Smithsonian's in D.C. They have these windows into, like, the restoration rooms and stuff. Yeah. And uh, if you go... um, Whatever. One of the Smithsonian's has the original Star Spangled Banner, this humongous flag that flew over this battlefield. That's what the song was written about. And it's it's totally... It's really dark. It's, you know... And it's this... It's huge... But they talk they tell the story of the restoration of that flag and it was an epic process mm-hmm. to save and to you know, they there was a huge chunk of it that they were cutting into little pieces and selling to raise money, or I think that was the story where they were giving away people were stealing little pieces of it and so like and so but to restore it back to something that is presentable or even to restore something back to perfection is Hard. And so it's beautiful. The beauty of it
1: that I see is that Christ looks at us and says, You have so much value that you're worth this restoration of relationship between you and me. Not that, like, you're so bad that I have to step in. Man, these guys freaking screwed up. I have to go Uh, save them. That's not, that's not Jesus directed us. You're so awesome. Life has its struggles and circumstances, and things are hard and things get
0: screwed up, but I want to bring bring about
1: healing and, and restoration. And you think
0: about the heart behind. Each end of that. If you um, think about Jesus as being somebody who's into seeing that value and restoration, the heart behind that is one that is just pure affection and love and true seeing. If you think about the one who sees themselves as somebody just being the worst, terrible, uh, then you start to see other people as the worst or terrible. You Mm. start to see uh, God as somebody who. barely likes you i don't mm. I don't really know that the deep impact of being it definitely makes god seem weird right like if
1: you're like if i'm well, so bad i'm not worth saving but then god does this thing like what does he want out of it like yeah. it makes mm. you super skeptical yeah, it's, it of who, turns, who
3: god is turns into the well what do i gotta do to make him happy because mm. he's not happy with me because he came out of like obligation i guess
0: yeah and so we i i think and this has been something that i've been I've been starting to just see everywhere and something that I've really been celebrating is the tension in a lot of our faith. Again, we like to have clean, clear resolve and maybe that's why we go to these extremes. But to sit in the tension that I need to be restored and Jesus died for my sins and um, I, I, have, I embody perfection and yet I also am part of imperfection. All these things are in tension. And to actually, I think like we're gonna ask a question that should be like a foundation of a Christian's belief, but it's so hard to verbalize it. Maybe it's because we don't necessarily think about it. But what does Jesus's death have? How does that impact you today? Yeah. And I think there's some answers that are maybe easy to give, but like actually to dig into that is beautiful. And we're gonna talk about uh, stories, family stories, things that are passed down. There's a lot of Good and funny, and there's some really terrible yeah. stories that gets passed down. But you can think about your folklore of your family and say, "I that doesn't have anything to do with me." Whatever happened three generations ago, but there's a lot of things that happened three generations ago that have immense impact, even in your existence. Yeah. And so, to think about the cross, uh, the death of Jesus, and how is that impacting you? Hmm.
3: Yeah, it's good. That's kind of amazing. The just the pictures you've brought up, Scott, over the last 30 weeks of just all these really intentional, kind of artful things John does in his writing. And I think what's as we learn more and more, we see so many more layers of beauty in the story of the cross that when Jesus is there, crucifixion was reserved for the worst of the worst. The Romans like to do it to put people on display to say, don't Hmm. do this. And so Jesus has these two men next to him that culture would say, these are the worst of the worst people. They're on a cross. They're being crucified. And this one man who says, you know, Jesus, remember me in your kingdom, that Jesus turns to him and says, you're going to be with me. Um, I'm bringing you. Like, I'm choosing you. And, like, I mean, I take liberty with this. But when Jesus is on the cross, we often think, you know, or at least cultural narrative, like, well, he was thinking about all your sins. He was thinking about everything that was on his shoulders. And I can't help but imagine that he was actually knowing what the end of the story was and just so excited for what was to come not in that moment per se because it was a painful moment but just like he knew what was coming Mm. and in the moment where he's looking around seeing these people saying father forgive them they don't know what they're doing I think he's including us in that as well but when he comes back to his disciples we get into next week I mean just the Mm. just the progression that he he walks with is like man he knows what's coming and he's excited for it I can't help but think that that's that's where he was when he was sitting on the cross. It wasn't this, like, defeated, like, oh, man, I just really wish Zach would get his stuff together <laughs> well, 2,000 years from now. And
0: uh, I'm just thinking about it now, just in the hyperlink world, thinking about Jonah huh? and his call to go reach out to Nineveh.
3: Jonah Patona.
0: <laughs> right, Nineveh? Patona. Yeah, and he runs from his calling but it's here God is... Because they're bad people. And uh, God sees value in these bad people. It's really beautiful. And then, you know, in Jonah, in his... Ugh, you know, he He's like... Uh, this whole narrative goes to him even just wanting to lose his own life. And uh,
3: um, well, in the midst of... <laughs> he wants to die because God's being nice to these people.
0: Yeah. And so... Just thinking, what is the heart of God? i felt like that before.
1: <laughs> In fact, when Zach was really good on the disc golf course yesterday, and I threw out a bounce seven times,
0: wow, I was really upset. That why would God let Zach play so good? I think there was this moment. Listen, I don't think God cares. If you're praying before each throw, it's a hollow prayer. Zach,
3: what'd you get? Oh, I got a two. Wait, you got a birdie? Yeah. Screw you. <laughs> <laughs> Not I'm proud of you.
0: So great. I'm glad I'm here. But the heart, the heart of God is on display there. Is that the heart of humanity can be good, good enough, adequate, or terrible? Don't associate. They deserve to die. And the heart of God on display is no, they're in. I'm after them. And I'm going to use you, which is. Another part of this whole thing that we're walking towards in John. Yeah. Anyway, it's important to keep processing. We've uh, we're 34 weeks into the book of John, and I would <laughs> encourage you to to read and reread John. And uh, we haven't said that in a while in our podcast, but you know, you're, if you're in Minneapolis, I encourage you to dive into church community. If it's us or somewhere else, if you wherever you're at, uh, being a part of, uh, hearing a message is not being a part of a church. Uh, being a part of community, investing in people, caring for people, that's that's the church. And so I encourage you to do that wherever you're at. And if you want to hang out with us, we are Reachable. You can find us. Coming up. See you guys later.
3: Thanks for joining us for another corner conversation. Today we're talking about, gosh, why can't I do this? It's so painful every single time. It's performance anxiety. Anyways, we're talking about Jesus' death, having the conversation about what that represents for us today. A lot of complexities to faith. Thanks for joining us, hope you enjoy.
1: We are on. Today's it today. gonna be quick today. Sure, it's so the fast. <sighs> this is definitely the message we want to just like hurry over. Oh well, wait, just get okay. past it. Just Jesus died. Jesus it died. Just move past. Done. Get to the resurrection already. See you next week. Oh, uh, that's really? what the church does all the time.
0: That's fair.
3: Not this week. Because you know what?
0: When when you go into a church and they say, He died. He died indeed!
3: <laughs> Which is really interesting, like what if what if Jesus did just die? What, what would Christianity be like? I know we're talking about the death this week, but it'd be it'd be interesting if Jesus if we didn't have like a mainstay of our faith being that Jesus came back to life. What would it what would it do? What would it be different? What do you want me to say? <laughs>
0: I only really have bad responses to that question.
3: <laughs> uh, nothing would change. Uh,
0: the, I think, the details of what happened, does that really, does that change our perspective of what it is to be a father of Jesus? I think that my study over the last couple of weeks about Jesus' death opens up a whole bunch of complexities that are known or unknown or people have spent their life trying to understand. Yeah. And well, I think that we should spend time on those things. We meaning not us right now, but we as followers of Christ should dig into that. But I don't think that necessarily changes what it means how we should respond to it. Its impact. I think the danger
1: comes when you're focusing your entire faith off of what the past or what happened. Like I think those are good foundations, but if it if your only reason for relationship with or the only reason of faith in Jesus is what he did on the cross or resurrection, then you're missing 90% yeah. of what faith
0: really is. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is... Hopefully nobody listens to this, but you know the, <laughs> the, uh, there was a time in church history where people said, you know what, it says in Scripture that the, the sun and move, moon revolves around us. And so when they discovered that the sun, hey, maybe the sun, we we revolve around the sun. Maybe the sun doesn't revolve around us. People said, uh, over my dead body and Jesus's whatever. You know, like the, those were things that were like make or break. This can't be. And the same thing could be true. Is like, if is all of our theology broken if we discover dinosaur bones? <laughs> is all my theology broken if... If Darwin, some of what Darwin said is right, is all my theology broken? And and I would say, again, since nobody's listening, no, it doesn't break my theology. It doesn't break my theology at all. But, at the same time, I think that there is something about there's. Uh, I do believe Jesus living, dying, and rising again. There's something, that that's an important part of my theology. But, at the same time, it's so easy to just, like, this is a lot of our conversation in this, is just to go... Okay, I guess that's important. So I'll mindlessly just say it or believe it. I don't even know what that means, but okay. and so we gotta go. It's gotta go farther than that.
3: And what does presence, like Greg's talked about a lot, presence over time? What does that look like in terms of how we do the learning process of faith?
2: Because
3: hmm. I think how weird it would be for me and my wife if our aim in life over the next seventy so years would be that we could just live over hundred. That's the goal. If we could just know everything about each other and... Both of you?
0: Yeah. We're it's going beautiful. for it.
3: Wow. We're going for the two hundo. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, but just like if the goal of our life together was that we would know everything about each other and be able to remember every single thing about each other, like even if we had the mental capacity to do that, when we get to the end of our life together, like how sad would we be to be like, well, we just got all the answers and we missed out on the opportunity to live together to experience life together to have relationship in the midst of questions and process and learning
1: yeah yeah. there's a huge difference between the uh, practice of just like remembrance so like if you're married your anniversary or if you're a parent your child's birthday like these are these remembrance moments of what has been but if that's all it ever is too then things get weird fast
0: yeah and yeah, you know, to add another element that was part of our conversation, behind our preparation for this is that if we see Jesus's death as just a clear declaration of how terrible we are as people, uh, we're really missing something. You know, Jesus. I would say completely missing the point. Yeah, which is so hard because there's there's some semantic there's some words that make it, I don't know, complex or hard to wrap my head around. Jesus died for my sins. Mm. Okay. Okay, I got that. I guess, and then, but my sins are which are things that uh, separate me. It can. It's me walking away from God. Jesus dying for that. But his, he isn't walking to his death going, these terrible people have yeah. to be died for.
3: Yeah, yeah. I really come off into this place of this conversation on value and. I don't know. I I think I grew up in a culture, and I mean, you guys probably experienced this too, that it really was about how bad we were. And like, thank God that he was willing to come save a dirty, rotten, worm-like me. A wretch. Yeah. Which, to me, a wretch is like when you almost throw up. What your daughter (laughs) call it? (laughs) Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound to allow a latch like latch. me a latch a latch.
1: Thank yeah. Uh,
3: yeah thank you Avina Garner for teaching Cam the right words to Amazing Grace <laughs> and just I mean I have moments that I in myself I feel or have felt wow I feel wretched I feel terrible <laughs> I feel like the worst of people but when we use our experiences to create a false truth narrative of what god sees about us that's where theology gets weird and we yeah we we start telling people you're just a dirty terrible sinner good thing god was good enough to come and live and die for I don't you. think
1: I don't think I think that perspective I think a god that dies for people if that's the true perspective of people I don't think that's actually a good god like a god who just goes man these people are so evil and terrible And I'm going to save them. Why would you want to save Uh, the bottom, the worst, the most terrible?
3: It doesn't make any sense because what we see actually in this whole narrative of Scripture is actually from the beginning, from the Hmm. garden when Adam and Eve were with God. And there's complexity to that story as well. But that God from the start said, I have immense value in this creation to the extent that when they are lost in their way, I'm gonna come and live and rescue them. Like mm-hmm. that's the value I see. That I'm willing to take my perfect life and give it up to have connection with them. That's mm-hmm. immense value, and it's not like
0: oh, the, I'm so. But special. you have to
3: feel like the the thing though
0: is that it's so such a razor's edge from going. Um, I fall short, or I can. I need Jesus. I need what Jesus did, mm-hmm. and I, I mean just to I I, like to be wretched to see yourself as awful is like it's not a big leap but also it's not a big leap to go to the next which i again i think is the beauty of the whole story of jesus's death and his choosing to go through this process is because he's going i love them they have value they they are my perfection
1: yeah
0: i think it's easiest for me to think
1: about it in terms of like so god god is this painter
0: whatever a famous painter and he paints this name name one famous painter i just want to Let's play this game. Um, I don't want <laughs> <laughs> I am not into art. You, you should ask
1: Cam. She'll <laughs> give you an earful. Yeah. But pick whoever your favorite artist is. And they do this painting, right? We are that painting. Like, we're per- mm. there's perfection. But then the people moving the painting or something happens, it, it sits out in the sun. It, something yeah. happens and it just des- it starts to destroy part of the painting. And Jesus is the person that comes and is in that restoring process.
0: The painting is so valuable that it's worth restoring. Yeah. And I think... I mean, that's a great illustrator of it because the thing that is mind-bending... Like, i has been in a couple... Like, the Smithsonian's in D.C. They have these windows into, like, the restoration rooms and stuff. Yeah. And uh, if you go... Um, like whatever. One of the Smithsonian's has the original Star Spangled Banner, this humongous flag that flew over this battlefield. That's what the song was written about. And it's, in, it's totally... It's really dark. It's, you know... And it's this... It's huge... But they talk they tell the story of the restoration of that flag and it was an epic process mm-hmm. to save and to you know, they there was a huge chunk of it that they were cutting into little pieces and selling to raise money, or I think that was the story, or they were giving away people were stealing little pieces of it and so like and so but to restore it back to something that is presentable or even to restore something back to perfection is Hard, yeah, and yes. so it's beautiful. beautiful. The beauty of it that I see is that Christ looks at us and says, You have
1: so much value that you're worth this restoration of relationship yeah. Yeah. With between you and me. Yeah. Not that like you're so bad that I have to step in, man, these guys are freaking screwed up, I have to go uh, save them. That's not that's great. not Jesus. Directed you're so awesome. Life has its struggles and circumstances, and things are hard and things get screwed up, but I want to bring, bring about
0: healing yeah. and, and restoration. And you think about the heart behind. Each end of that. If you um, think about Jesus as being somebody who's into seeing that value and restoration, the heart behind that is one that is just pure affection and love and true yeah. seeing. If you think about the one who sees themselves as somebody just being the worst, terrible, uh, then you start to see other people as the worst or terrible. You mm. start to see uh, God as somebody who... Uh, Barely likes you. I don't. Mm. I don't really know that the deep impact of being. It definitely makes
1: God seem weird, right? Like if you're like, if I'm so bad, I'm not worth saving. But then God does this thing. Like, what does He want out of it? Like, it makes Mm. you super skeptical. Yeah, who
3: who God is turns into the. Well, what do I got to do to make Him happy? Mm Because He's not happy with me. Because He came out of like obligation, I guess. Yeah. And so we,
0: I I think, and this has been something that I've been. I've been starting to just see everywhere and something that I've really been celebrating is the tension in a lot of our faith. Again, we like to have clean, clear resolve, and maybe that's why we go to these extremes. But to sit in the tension that I need to be restored and Jesus died for my sins and um, I, I, have, I embody perfection, and yet I also am part of imperfection. All these things are in tension. And to actually, I think like we're going to ask a question that should be like a foundation of a Christian's belief, but it's so hard to verbalize it. Maybe it's because we don't necessarily think about it, but what does Jesus' death have? How does that impact you today?
3: Yeah.
0: And I think there's some answers that are maybe easy to give, but like actually to dig into that is beautiful. And we're going to talk about uh, stories, family stories, things that are passed down. There's a lot of. Good and funny, and there's some really terrible yeah. stories that gets passed down. But you can think about your folklore of your family and say that that doesn't have anything to do with me. Whatever happened three generations ago, but there's a lot of things that happened three generations ago that have immense impact, even in your existence. Yeah, and so to think about the cross, uh, the death of Jesus, and how is that impacting you? Hmm. Yeah,
3: it's good. That's kind of amazing. The just the. Pictures you've brought up, Scott, over the last 30 weeks of just all these really intentional, kind of artful things John does in his writing. And I think what's as we learn more and more, we see so many more layers of beauty in the story of the cross that when Jesus is there, like, crucifixion was reserved for the worst of the worst. The Romans like to do it to put people on display to say, don't hmm. do this. And so Jesus has these two men next to him that culture would say these are the worst of the worst people they're on a cross they're being crucified and this one man who says you know Jesus remember me in your kingdom that Jesus turns to him and says you're going to be with me Um, I'm bringing you like I'm choosing you and like I mean I take liberty with this but when Jesus is on the cross we often think you know or at least cultural narrative like well he was thinking about all your sins he was thinking about everything that was on his shoulders and I can't help but imagine that he was actually knowing what the end of the story was and just so excited for what was to come not in that moment per se because it was a painful moment but just like he knew what was coming Mm. and in the moment where he's looking around seeing these people saying father forgive them they don't know what they're doing I think he's including us in that as well but when he comes back to his disciples we get into next week I mean just the Mm. just the progression that he he walks with is like man he knows what's coming and he's excited for it I can't help but think that that's that's where he was when he was sitting on the cross. It wasn't this, like, defeated, like, oh, man, I just really wish Zach would get his stuff together <laughs> well, 2,000 years from now. Uh. I'm,
0: I'm just thinking about it now, just in the hyperlink world, thinking about Jonah huh? and his call to go reach out to Nineveh.
3: Jonah Patona.
0: <laughs> right, Nineveh? Patona. <Put. laughs> and he runs from his calling But it's here God is, because they're bad people, and uh, God sees value in these bad people. It's really beautiful. And then, you know, in Jonah in his, ugh, he's like, uh, this whole narrative goes to him even just wanting to lose his own life and uh, um, in the midst of...
3: (laughs) He wants to die because God's being nice to these people. Yeah.
0: And so... Just thinking, what is the heart of God? i felt like that before.
1: <laughs> In fact, when Zach was really good on the disc golf course yesterday, and I threw out a bounce seven times, wow, I was really
0: upset. But why would God let Zach play so good?
1: I
3: think there was
0: this moment. Listen, I don't think God cares. If you're praying before each throw, it's
3: a hollow prayer. Zach, what'd you get? Oh, I got a two. Wait, you got a birdie? Yeah. Screw you! <laughs> <laughs> Not. I'm
0: proud of you. So great. I'm glad I'm here. But the heart—the heart of God is on display there. Is that heart of humanity can be good, good enough, adequate, or terrible. Don't associate. They deserve to die. And the heart of God on display is no. They're in. I'm after them. And I'm going to use you, which is. Another part of this whole thing that we're walking towards in John. Yeah. Anyway, it's important to keep processing. We've uh, we're thirty-four weeks into the book of John, and I would <laughs> encourage you to to read and reread John. And uh, I'll, we haven't said it in a while in our podcast, but you know, you're, if you're in Minneapolis, I encourage you to dive into church community. If it's us or somewhere else, if you wherever you're at, uh, being a part of, uh, hearing a message is not being a part of a church. Uh, being a part of community, investing in people, caring for people—that's that's the church. And so I encourage you to do that wherever you're at. And if you want to hang out with us, we are reachable. You can find us. Coming up. See you guys later.